0: Hello and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast where we cover magic, herbalism, and more. I'm Nick.
1: And I'm Shannon.
0: And we are your co-hosts. So today I am talking about the Mothman. Woo! To start off. uh, So this is going to be a really fun, spooky episode. But then I'm also talking about ghouls and banshees mostly ghouls, a little bit of banshees, and I'm doing that to make a point about the Mothman. So, you know, just come along for the ride.
1: I'm so pumped. Again, like, we just talked about how Mabon should be spookier, so we're putting our money where our mouths are, and we're just kicking off spookiness now. We're
0: we're bringing you something something spooky. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're welcome. Um, So I'm talking about agrimony, aka liverwort, cocklebur, beggar lice, sticklewort, or church steeple. It's like one of these is not like the others.
0: Yeah, it's like, uh, church steeple.
1: Church steeple. And we get to talk about some like funky etymological history. So like the nerdy side of me, and I know a lot of our listeners are fucking nerds. So I feel like y'all are going to be into this because it is a wild, confusing ride to figure out how the fuck this Latin name came to be, which we will talk Uh,
0: about. Well, okay. Uh, I feel really put on the spot here, but when did you feel the magic this week?
1: Oh my God. Okay, so first of all, anyone who doesn't know, California has been having a wild and wacky weather week. So we were like, we had record breaking temperatures and now we're on the borders of hurricane K and getting like crazy humidity. So it's been like really, really weird. Right. And I feel like when the weather is so bizarre, it makes it hard for me to like tap into my magic because I think my lizard brain is just like, are we going to die this week? But last night, my neighbor called me and was like okay so this is a really weird thing I don't want you to judge me but is there anything I can do if I think I've been cursed and it just made my like witchy heart so happy that like someone called to talk through what they could do because they felt like they had like negative energies attached to them and I was like oh my god all I want to be is like a town witch so I'm putting together some stuff for her to do like a return to sender and a cleansing so I'm really pumped about that. But it was just so nice because I feel like everything felt so fucking weird this week. And then for that to happen last night, I was like, oh, my God, I am a magical human. And climate change is real, but I can still do magic.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, that's so good. Um, I will say for me personally, it it was an animal visit this week. Ooh um and it's my it was my patio armadillo
1: <sighs> patio armadillo i love uh, it it's so, so texas witch
0: so i have been seeing this armadillo for months now and i think it's a she i don't know how you are supposed to tell armadillo's apart but i get a vibe that she's a girl yeah, yeah. and she comes Only super late at night and only when like nobody is outside. And I think the thing is, is I'm usually outside listening to headphones. So like I'm not making that much of a an impact
1: or really like
0: that much noise at all. But for some reason, I always, always, always when the armadillo is coming by, it's like exactly between songs or like exactly in a quiet moment in a podcast where i can hear little you know um and so yeah saw my saw my armadillo last night while listening to mothman podcasts
1: oh my god that's epic
0: and i do i yeah i have i always have a good time i i feel like i feel like it's a good omen you know? I
1: think so. I feel like there's such good, like, protective energy about armadillos. Like,
0: yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like right there. You know, it's it really is. But I do like to be appreciative, actively appreciative of the fact that I do get to live very close to a green area. Not a lot of people have that amenity. And sometimes you you don't really think about it, but then an armadillo wanders up to your patio and you're like, oh yes.
1: I did have a good like witch pet moment last week. Well, animal moment, because I was out from one of my like 5 a.m. runs and there's this uh tuxedo cat that runs around. She's like, I think she's just a neighborhood cat. Like she doesn't have a collar, so I don't think she's an indoor outdoor. But I was like running around one of our roundabouts and she like popped up on the curb and like looked at me and I gave her a little head scritch as I walked by. And I was like, that's right. I'm friends with the neighborhood cat. But speaking of armadillos, I do have to plug a show that I feel like you would love, Nick. And I think our listeners would get a kick out of as well if they haven't seen it yet. uh, Little Demon. So it's on Hulu. It's an animated show. It's like basically the whole DeVito family. Danny DeVito is voicing Satan. Aubrey Plaza is the mother of, you know, basically Satan and her have a baby, but Aubrey Plaza plays like the witch mom of the Antichrist, essentially. And it's kind of this like hilarious comedy about the Antichrist coming into her power. But there was this scene last night in the most recent episode that Eric and I watched that made me cackle because there's so many like good witch jokes. So she like came across this like, pentagram that these like middle school girls had put down to like do this summoning spell for a tulpa and she was like store-bought cloves does nobody forage for anything anymore are we trying to cast a spell or bake a fucking pie (laughs) and i was just like this is like grade a witch humor like there's gotta be a witch in the fucking like writer's room because also then the principal went on the speech about like we have to have a school-wide conversation about worshipping the occult. You are not the daughters of the witches they couldn't burn. And I was just like, oh my god, this is like, there's a witch in there, like an actual witch in there making some of these like jokes, and it's very funny. Um, But there was an armadillo in the most recent episode, uh, which I don't want to give away anything because it's actually really funny. But anyway, fucking spooky shit.
0: (laughs) Fucking spooky shit. Okay, but spooky shit coming at ya. So we're getting spooky season off on the right foot, and I'm coming in strong with ghouls. Uh, And I honestly love doing these because there's so much more lore around some of these spirits and creatures than really you get growing up watching Scooby-Doo. But also, shout out to Ghoul School for being a reliably entertaining VHS.
1: Oh, Hundo P. Big ups.
0: The, big ups to Ghoul School. Um, And if I'm being honest, I did go into ghouls a little blind and was sort of pleasantly, unpleasantly surprised by how creepy ghoul lore is.
1: Yeah, so. I, I wouldn't have thought so. Like, I'm excited to hear you get into this because, same, I was like, ghouls. What, just like, ghosts plus?
0: Oh, right. So, yeah, let's dive in. Here's what I thought a ghoul was. I was so, so, so wrong, but I thought they might be um, ghosts as well, like ghost plus, right? Ghouls are not ghosts. And I really thought there would be some kind of ghosty connection because you always hear them grouped together, ghouls and ghosts. Yeah. Ghouls, ghosts, and goblins even, all right? But no. Um, if anything later ghoul lore, they might be undead, like a zombie or a vampire., uh, but they're very much in a corporeal form.
1: I'm like, my mind is already blown two seconds in,
0: <laughs> so uh, very much not the same thing as banshees, which I will be getting into a bit later on, also because I thought uh. You know, I thought a similar thing about Banshees and was also proven very wrong. Um, But just to say, Banshees are from the the fairy world, and so they're kind of like that thing where you can see them, but they're not ghosts, but they're not really all the way here. So here we go, though. Ghouls. Yeah, I just,
1: I, I want to say, Nick, I appreciate this moment of raw humanity Of you admitting how wrong you were Because I am also I was also so wrong so I was guys,
0: like, We were so wrong We um, were so wrong,
1: you heard it here first Look at how humble we are <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, But a big takeaway here Is that ghouls can And will touch you Because they have bodies
1: Which makes them A thousand percent spoopier
0: Very 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 much so but in order to properly explain what a ghoul is, we have to do the whole backstory thing, which I thought was a pretty fun ride. So let's all buckle up. Um, and so these stories and this particular origin story of ghouls comes to us from Persian folklore and apocryphal texts. So the story goes that ghouls started out as jinn, like genies, jinn. And these djinn would basically sneak into heaven and reveal hidden knowledge from on high to witches and soothsayers. So the idea is these these djinn, gen, these genies are going to heaven and kind of eavesdropping and then coming back down and spilling the tea.
1: Like the ultimate homie hookup.
0: Right. So naturally this gets them banned from the quote-unquote deepest spheres of heaven. Boo. Which basically means they're, like, allowed in the lobby, but they get no juicy goss at the bar, and they're certainly not allowed at the rooftop pool or the spa.
1: Boo. Honestly, like, this makes me want to do an episode on gins.
0: Oh, yeah. Because I feel like we've touched on it a couple times now, and it might be... It might be time to just, just do a, a, a genie episode. I think so. But why is heaven a hotel in this story? And that's a very good question. And it's because I don't know what Islamic heaven is actually supposed to be like.
1: It's probably because heaven isn't real.
0: Hey, that's <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. Well, I think, you know, just to get on a weird metaphysical sidetrack, like, I'm fully in support of the idea that when you die, you're just, like, tripping so hard on DMT that you just, like, dream up an afterlife. And if I was going to dream up an afterlife, I do think it would be a lot like a luxury hotel.
1: I, for you, I see, like, a Palm Springs luxury hotel moment.
0: Um, But, you know, like a nice view, but you don't yeah. have to do anything to, like you know. Um, Anywho, so they're kicked out of heaven, right? Right? They are not allowed. Things get, well, they're allowed, but they're not allowed in, like, the, the inner sanctum. So things do get kicked up a notch when the prophet Muhammad dies, and then Muhammad and Allah team up to drive all of the spirits out of heaven forever. And Basically, if you got caught sneaking into heaven, there's consequences now, okay? Heaven is a members-only club. I'm going to need to see a membership pass, a guest pass, even, like, there's a guy at the door now. And that guy, it's not a guy. So if you're a a gen, you're trying to sneak into heaven, the best way to do that, they think, is to fly up there. Like, directly fly up there. You know, like, no teleporting, no um, Stargate, none of that. Like, we're going to fly directly to heaven with wings and shit, okay? But if you got too close, you would be hit by a comet. And your charred, yet still of mortal remains, would be cursed to wander the earth with an unquenchable bloodlust. So, a ghoul is born.
1: It, it's like, oh my god, fucking classic Abrahamic religion where somehow humans end up being punished for the behavior yeah. of celestial beings.
0: Right, right, right.
1: Abrahamic god is kind of a dickhead.
0: Truly, like, truly, truly. So these these djinn that are trying to fly to heaven to sneak in get struck down by comments, and I'm guessing lightning and, you know, just like whatever, divine wrath, and- Jyn are, like, functionally immortal. You know, they're fire spirits. They're really resilient. They live for thousands of years. They can shapeshift, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, they you, you're hit by a divine wrath comment. You're scorched. You're burned. You're scabby. You're a little rotten, even. So these guys are kind of gruesome. They're, like, like all of their skin's been burned off, kind of. Um, or maybe they're just, like, crispy critters but
1: not cute
0: it's not a cute look it's not we're not recommending this for the upcoming fall season and these guys these ghouls even they hang out in graveyards and they eat bodies because they do not mind a little grave robbing to get their dinner they also would be known around this time to hang out in the wilderness or near dangerous caravan routes. Now, keeping in mind, this is coming from Persia, which is a huge crossroads for uh, the quote-unquote Silk Road, you know, sort of an east meets west kind of vibe. There's lots of caravans, okay, and there's lots of deserts and sand dunes around there, and then a ghoul would hang out on the, a little cliff or whatever and and maybe like you know scare you and then you fall off or maybe lure you off to the side they can shapeshift, you know sort of the idea so if you're traveling alone in the desert a ghoul might lead you off the path and then kill you and eat you and that's going to be important later on so like pop a little pen in that they are I, I mean i do actually make this point later on but it's sort of like they're uh, they're carrion birds right you know like. Black vultures usually just eat dead bodies, but sometimes they'll kill babies because they're hungry. Well, you
1: know, when you're hungry, you're hungry.
0: But, so I think, though, the grave robbing thing is a little more morally ambiguous than the murdering thing. So, you know, um,
1: But I I do have to say, to be fair, I imagine it's less tasty.
0: I would imagine it's less tasty. It's probably a little gross. Although, going back to vultures, you know, it seems that some creatures prefer carry-on. And...
1: I guess it gets a little uh, a little bit of a je ne sais quoi when it rots a little. Ooh. Yeah,
0: you know. <laughs> but, okay, so the Persian version of a ghoul retains the djinn's ability to shapeshift and sometimes would become a hyena or a vulture to eat dead bodies because they have the right head shape. Also, in hyena form, could dig up a grave a little easier. But I would like to pause for a moment to hold this image in our minds so Jin can shapeshift, and some of them tried to fly directly to heaven. So I'm thinking either like giant birds, perhaps giant perhaps a humanist shape with wings even like an angel the story of the gen getting kicked out of heaven does have fallen angel vibes and keeping in mind this is coming from a more islamic perspective they don't have they don't have the whole like lucifer thing but they have you know Allah kicking all of the the, the genies out of heaven
1: I mean it for me and you know this is my my anime brain it all it just i'm getting howl vibes
0: oh for sure oh yeah with the with the uh calcifer yes yeah uh but so big fallen angel vibes and we have this big flying guy who is like burned up by a comet and then we have like the charred remains of a big flying guy who's a fire spirit and that's the form of a ghoul. So really I want you to hold that image in your mind. Big flying guy burnt to death by a comet. Also gender your spirits. Okay? I'm going I'm
1: holding it. It's in my it's, mind's eye.
0: And it's going to come full circle. Um so just keep that there. Um so I I do just want to say a big ashy colored guy perhaps with wings that's drawn to death and bodies. Is that Ringing a bell.
1: A bell has been rung, and it rhymes with Thothman.
0: Okay. Anyways, so if you are a true ghoul super fan, you're probably wondering where the rest of this segment is. So worry not, because it's right here. The old Persian version of ghouls. I. That's my new band name, Persian Version.
1: Oh, the Persian Version. Hot.
0: So the Persian version of ghouls made its way. Into this very famous book called *Tales from a Thousand and One Nights*, which was originally translated into French in the early seventeen hundreds, and then added to with some folk tales from a random Middle Eastern lady that the French translator knew in Paris. And that—that's a whole thing. But there's a lot of there's a lot of gins and there's a lot of ghouls in the Thousand and One Nights. And ghouls captured the popular imagination and began to take on Western horror aspect aspects akin to vampirism, which was all the rage before that as like the creepy thing that haunts the countryside and the imaginations of the townspeople. So it's at this time that the ghoul takes on this sort of undead vibe and the European version of the ghoul supposedly being that if you were a cannibal in real life the contamination would cause you to come back after death as a ghoul and then hunt graveyards and um kidnap little children and lure weary travelers to their deaths
1: god that is like a very specific way to become a monster
0: it's yeah well i mean there's a lot of cannibalism monsters in folklore like the Wendigo
1: oh my god the Wendigo fucking scary
0: very scary and that that one's much more local to us yeah but okay and again it this is all in aid of talking about the mothman as well so whatever i have to talk about banshees just for a second so banshee celtic it means lady from the fairy mound okay they're neutral. They're harbingers of death, but they're not making your family members die. Okay, so that's yeah, kind they're of. They're
1: just giving you a heads up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And most banshee accounts, like firsthand accounts of banshees, it's a lot more personal. It's not like you hear this shriek in the woods, it's almost like this person is sobbing or crying and it's like they're pre-morning with you. It's like they know they, something. Yeah.
1: They kind of have like to me the the best way to think of a banshee cry is more akin to like La Llorona.
0: Yeah. But like but La Llorona is uh, it, but the banshee is not going to drown you in the river.
1: No, she's not. I just mean cuz I think the banshee for some reason has like morphed into this like screeching
0: it's, yeah, it's like not Smith, screeching. She's but it's not, crying. it's
1: weeping.
0: And actually a lot of banshee lore is that it's not that you hear this screeching, it's that it sounds like someone is crying in the next room. Yeah. Or it sounds like a, just a regular person, a woman, is crying. And then the thing is, is like this happens sometimes in like a public space and only the person with the relative that's going to die can hear the crying. So it's it's yeah. like a it's like personal message. It's a personal message. Uh, but they are neutral and they are, I, I think it's important to the whole thing because okay, so here's the thing Piper, the lady who does folklore on TikTok, love her to death, love her channel. Check it out. It's like one of my very, very, very favorite things to have on my commute, but sort of makes a very strong claim that the Mothman could be a banshee or a kind of banshee. And I do think it's important to banshee lore that a banshee is usually a pretty lady if you see if you see her, sometimes an old lady, okay? And then there's the one that's really terrifying that is headless and carrying a bowl of blood. Um
1: yeah, it's with, like that's a sharp left turn.
0: That is a sharp left turn. <laughs> Top, topless as well. So kind of sexy but also kind of scary, I guess.
1: I mean, I feel like that sounds like it was invented by a dude in a basement, but maybe that's just me. Not to kink shame, but I'm going to kink shame a little if a headless lady carrying a bowl of blood is what gets your rocks off, but, you know. Right,
0: right, right. Um, But then, okay, someone made this really awful pun that a male banshee is a ban he, and I propose that we kick this person off the internet immediately and for life
1: yeet them off the face of the earth
0: but all of that to say so that's the basic idea with a banshee if you hear one a relative in your family is gonna die etc cetera, etc cetera, it's usually a lady um and they're fairies and never ever 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 a mention of a banshee having wings i mean they're they're the fae but no one ever said they had wings. No one ever no one has also, ever said that Banshees had wings.
1: Most most of the fate aren't really classically described as having wings either. So right.
0: um, I mean, yeah. So here we go. Here we I'm go.
1: I'm team, I'm team Mothman
0: might be a ghoul. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um but let's he's just say- trying
1: to warn you about the bridge, guys. The fucking bridge. The Mothman movie fucked me up. As a kid,
0: well, no, 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 no. That's the argument that the Mothman is a banshee because a banshee would just be warning you. Banshee just warns you. But I think physically, very ghoul like. And then also, we should really save this for my Mothman segment.
1: You're right. You're right. We shouldn't get too far into this because <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Mothman in a, bit, in a minute. But ghouls, is there anything else you want to add about ghouls?
0: Well, what i think is is cool about ghouls, um is really the whole like fallen angel thing like the fact that the fact that they helped out like witches and psychics
1: yeah big like light bringer type vibes where it's like oh i'm sorry humans aren't allowed to have any information
0: yeah, I, I and I, I do love that supposedly in the cosmic order of things that is imagined by these, you know, these Abrahamic religions that there's still, like, God is not all-powerful. God is a sitcom dad, you know? Like, yeah. He's just, and then he gets so mad. I brought so, you into this world. I'm, I'm so mad. Brr. You can't, <laughs> don't come back yeah Uh, and and we'd love to see it we'd love to see like old testament god upset
1: it's a mood well we're gonna take another sharp turn here because we're talking about another rose family plant today it's got like big saturnian vibes which i'm into but it's a yarfa for y'all that remember that silly herbalist joke from the other day yet another rose family astringent here we are so there are actually about 15 agrimony species, but just for reference, because a lot of our listeners are from North America, agrimonia um, Griposopala and A. parviflora are the ones that are native to North America. But this is where we're going to start talking about some etymological fuckery. So the genus name agrimonia is like very weird because there's not actually a clear through line for how it became associated with the agrimony plant that we know of today. So The prefix agri indicates a relation to like the field or the land. And agrimonia has traditionally been like traced back to an ancient Greek word for an eye condition that featured white specks in the eye, agrimon, which a lot of people think is like a reference to cataracts. But the word argimon came from a type of poppy, that the ancient Greek botanical writer Theophrastus described. And our good buddy Pliny the Elder referred to this as agrimonia when he was talking about this poppy's virtues. Some of the, like, uses are vaguely similar to agrimony, but that's not, like, a strong enough connection to make it make sense. Uh, So it's, like, like, agrimonia is potentially, like, Related to a type of poppy that's not the agrimony plant, and the species name *Eupatoria* is a reference to the ancient herbalist king of Pontus, um, Mithridates the Sixth, sometimes called Mithridates Eupator. So the *Eupator* uh, portion of the king's name was also given to another plant that was mistaken for agrimony, *Eupatorium uh, cannabinum*. So another fun piece of trivia to Muddy the Waters, we've got like a poppy, we've got this Eupatorium cannabinum like coming in, neither of which are agrimony. And it's sometimes inferred by later writers that agrimony was named after the king in this way because he was the one credited with discovering the plant. But there are another couple of weird things to add before we move on. Uh, Dioscorides wrote that some people accidentally called Argamon Eupatorium due to a confusion over the color of the flowers. And another writer from antiquity noted the same confusion. And then white whorehound was also called eupatorium. So there's like at least three other plants that are not agrimony that were referred to as like agrimonia, agrimon, eupatorium. So all of this to say, when you're looking at historical herbal texts, you gotta be careful. Because there's like no clear way that we got to calling agrimony today what it is. Because So much of the text from antiquity are just straight up referring to different plants. So the etymology like really is muddy as fuck. But we do know that agrimony has been used by people in like herbal preparations and in magical purposes for like a long ass time. So at least there's that. But like, let's talk about it. It's a pretty, pretty, pretty plant. It blooms around this time of year. It's like a summer and early autumn flower, which we're here for. Spring is not the end-all be-all for flowers, people. And it has these like really steep flower spikes that are covered in tiny yellow flowers. Um, And when they're in bloom, the spike points towards the sky, but as the blossoms die off, it like droops and points downward. And as the flowers are dying, the spike becomes covered in like hairs, which are called burrs. And this is like how the seeds on the burrs will like cling to animals and people as they walk by, which is how they spread. They're basically like plant hitchhikers, which I love. Gotta love a burr moment. But the base of the plant is like super leafy. It has pinnate leaves that are like really sharply sawtoothed and the leaves at the base of the plant are at least like twice as large as the ones close to the top. So you get kind of like a cone vibe and the plant itself will get to about two and a half feet tall. So it's like an impressive one to come across when you see it. And it's like downy all over, which a lot of times plants that will produce burrs are really downy before they start dying, which I, I, I love soft plants.
0: I'm I'm looking at the pictures now, and I'm seeing, I, 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 I was like, I, I actually don't love a bird moment, but like a soft bird moment is fine, unless you have a long-haired dog, because my god, getting those.
1: Yes, fair. I just love it evolutionarily, because they're just I like, know, I, we could win this like, or we could just hitch a ride.
0: Yeah, why take the time? <laughs> Why take the time? Because that whole like dandelion seed thing where you have to like grow a parachute like and a then have work. it work and then, you know, and then hopefully not just like get trampled into the ground before you I mean, here trampling is part of it.
1: Exactly. They're like, if you trample me, I'll spread even further. Yeah. It's kind of kind of cool. So growing them, I mean, it's nice because this isn't a hard one to grow, but you can't always source heirloom seeds for herbs, but you can for agrimony. So I think that if you're going to grow it and you don't have like an easy to forage source of the seeds, like go buy some heirloom seeds. Heirloom seeds are really cool. Um, We've talked about it a little bit, but like the best thing about heirlooms is it actually helps like promote continued diversity in plants because it's like instead of being the same one that's like bred and crossbred and crossbred and crossbred, you actually like have an older source of genetic material, which again, like promotes genetic diversity, which is super important because genetic diversity is how you end up with like creating plants that can survive things like climate change because they're able to like adapt and diversify more instead of it just being like one strain that once it's fucked it's fucked yeah. so
0: what well, you know you know what's so funny though is that the people who got the most into like species speciating like plants are also like I mean let's just say it like white people
1: yeah yeah like because, lots because of cultures... there's
0: there's like a weird eugenics thing about it with like yeah. tulips and I I don't know
1: yeah because lots of cultures like would preserve diversity and their seeds and like having different kinds of plants because it actually is a much stronger like method of farming even because it's like if you have a bunch of like genetic diversity if you have like one horrible weather event it's not going to kill off everything but it's like when you have these like super specialized genetically modified plants sure you can breed certain resistances into them but then it's like if you have one type of corn in your entire field and something happens that kills that type of corn well bye-bye corn like you have right. none
0: <laughs> no more corn yeah it's, no more it's... corn okay but ag- agram- agram- agrimonia eupatoria.
1: Yeah. It's a pretty one. So just get you, get you some heirloom seeds, buy them online. Um, They do need well-draining <laughs> soil, full sun. They're pretty straightforward though. Like you, you will want to thin your seedlings to at least a foot apart because they can get like wide at the base with those big ass leaves. But when you're ready to harvest your plant material, you're going to be trying to get it either like, um, right before it flowers or while it's in flower. And you can actually like pick the leaves from the sides of the stem, uh, to leave the main stalk to go to seed too. So you can make sure you have like plenty of agrimony the following season. So let's talk about medicinal uses, because I'm not going to spend a bunch of time teaching you how to grow a plant that you just need to like put in the sun. This isn't a hard one. Um, I will say not a super good candidate for container growing. But it has really deep roots. I mean, I guess if you want to get a massive like barrel for like two plants, (laughs) that seems weird. So my
0: my agrimony barrel.
1: (laughs) Right. Um, You do you, boo, if that's what you want to do with your time and your space. Not I. So disclaimer, guys, I'm not a doctor. Nick's not a doctor. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to treat or diagnose anything. Please always, 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 always talk to your doctor before you start any herbal regimen. So this is Virgo season, though. So right off the top, you guys know we had to talk about a plant that's good for IBS. (laughs) So Pliny the Elder described an infusion of agrimony seeds in wine as a, and I quote, unparalleled remedy for diarrhea for diarrhea or dysentery. <laughs> so there you go. Again, it's a yarfa. It's an astringent. So it like is really great for digestive uh, issues that are connected to moist relaxed tissue states. This isn't good for IBS with uh for IBS C with constipation because that is like a different type of tissue state. Um but that damp stagnant tissue state uh is what you're looking for if you're going to use agrimony so it's also indicated for people with like uh underlying like liver stagnation or also stagnation in the kidney or the stomach so just keep that in mind and there have actually been some really like impressive studies recently into its uses to help with your liver so there was a pretty recent double blind randomized and controlled clinical trial so everything that you guys can want from a trial um, which indicated that when given to individuals with elevated uh, alanine trans, transmonase levels, agrimonia eupatoria protected against liver injury. And the study also ascribed this to like the antioxidant and lipid lowering agency. So it's really good for your liver. You know, if you are a person that has maybe like overindulged on booze, maybe like have yourself some agrimony the following day. Uh, there's also been a lot of use of it historically, topically though. And agrimonia is like a heavy hitter in TCM, traditional Chinese medicine. It's one of the plants included in a four-herb formula that dates back 2,000 years. So it's the ANBP. So it the formula is Agrimonia eupatoria, the A, Melumbo nucifera, the N, Boswellia carteri, uh, Boswellia carteri which is the B and pollen P of typha augustifolia. And they've shown that this, uh, this like a and BP formula, it helps alleviate scar formation and promote healing. So it's like very, very good. Topically, uh, agrimonia pelosa, meanwhile has also been found to like hasten skin barrier restoration for all of y'all that have over exfoliated your faces into oblivion because you got too into like the skincare Reddit threads and decided you need to exfoliate twice a day. Uh, hey, you don't, but also, agrimony could maybe help if you've done that because once you damage your skin barrier, as someone who has acne, damaging your skin barrier long term causes more skin issues. You need that there. So let's talk about magic. So uh, historically it's been associated uh, a lot with Jupiter, but it's also associated with Saturn, which to me, I love the Saturnian vibes and it rings really true for me, but like, that's because it's primarily used for protection magic. Like the root is primarily used for protection magic with a special emphasis on sleep protection. And, you know, like Saturn's all about boundaries. So to me, that like that Saturn connection to protective plants makes a lot of sense. But like the flower stalks, I think, give you that Jovian vibe. So it's uh, the way I think about it is like with agrimony, it's not as above, so below. It's like more of a Jupiter above Saturn below type plant. And this is a really good one, though, to keep in mind for defensive magic, Uh, The best thing that I saw is like if you're someone who has like a more public facing job, like you work in the service industry or you do what I do and you're a fundraiser, I'm talking about me and Nick right now, you're a politician. You know, if you're someone that like has a lot of psychic energies thrown at you from a variety of places, agrimony can be a friend. So you could use the power of the powdered roots to create wards. Toss it under your doormat, y'all. You know, we're gonna say it. Uh, if you're using it for work, though, you could also put like a little packet of the powder in your wallet, or this is a, a Shannon original, but I love the idea of taking a little packet of it and putting it behind your phone in your phone case to oh, kind of ex-
0: exquisite,
1: yeah. Because it's like,
0: I, I, I was, I have said before, and I'll say it again your phone is like a direct conduit of information from god knows who
1: to you directly
0: into your brain these are the things we should be thinking about
1: do some magical protection and especially if you're someone who's like who uses your phone for work all the time i mean fuck yeah put like a little packet of like protective magical ingredients in your phone case it's good for you so I also love the idea though, um, because it's also associated with like protection while you're sleeping. Add it to a sleep sachet,
0: and you know, and take a drink, and take a drink. Because we did not mention Mesopotamia not once during this episode, except to say that we didn't mention it, which doesn't count. You don't have to take a drink because of no, that. but no, we have talked s-
1: about doormats and sleep sachets. So. So here yeah. we are, um, and it does have this like really long healing history, right? So that also translates to some magical healing. And one of the things that I've read a few th- uh, in a few different places was using like agrimony to heal your aura after tra- after like a trauma, traumatic things happening. So I think that like you could float the agrimony flowers in a healing bath because they're also yellow, so they're going to bring in some of that like solar energy. Um, the idea I think of like drying some agrimony flowers because like, I love dried yellow flowers and you could do like a bath of like with calendula and agrimony flowers floating in it. It's going to bring in some like beautiful solar energy, have that like healing vibe also be good for your skin, which doesn't hurt. And again, with the Saturnian nature and all of those protective uses, I think this is also like a good one for return to sender spells, which, you know, I just mentioned earlier this episode. But like, personally, as far as defensive magic goes, I'm all for a return to sender because then it's like, if it has not been sent by an individual, return to senders aren't going to like cause accidental damage to people that weren't meaning you harm but if someone is actively meaning you harm, I think sending back the vibes they put on you is fair.
0: Like I feel like that's fair. Yeah.
1: I think it's fair and I do again, I think return to sender is kind of like almost like a it's a little bit of like a hex but with like bumpers because you're not it's not going <laughs> to splash up on other people. If you're like returning to sender and the person didn't send it, they're not getting it back. So it's right. fine. It's fine.
0: It's fine. It's
1: fine. So and that's that's all I have for now. So uh today I used the herbarium, the poison path herbal, heirloom organics. Um I like touched on Cunningham, but Cunningham's encyclopedia agrimony stuff was like not my not my favorite with it this time. And then of course like Reddit. Y'all know I love trolling like Reddit magical uh pages because it's fun. It's fun, it's interesting. Sometimes there's good shit. Sometimes there's some wacky ass shit out there. It's a no, good time. I
0: feel I feel like every millennial's hobby is scrolling Reddit. Like, that's where I go to doom scroll.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like I have my fun Reddit pages, and then I have the like I want to be angry Reddit pages. Oh, it's a and, and
0: it's it's a it's a lovely mix. It's a lovely mix, and I personally. Because of just who I am as a person, get a lot of the accidental death videos on Reddit. And
1: (sighs) See, my my thing on Reddit that I end up on a lot, and it's because I interact with the page a lot, is the plant clinic. So people posting pictures of their plant, and they're like, what is this pest? What's wrong with my plant? And my Virgo, let me tell you how to do it, self-loves it.
0: Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, so let's get spooky
1: spooky yeah
0: okay so this next segment comes to us from the deep recesses of history and the story goes that this tale comes to us from deep in the ancient crumbling hills of a country called america in a land known as west virginia and That the year this all started going down was 1966 in the Common Era. So 1966.
1: Surely not. No one was alive then.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. Um, I'm going to stop being dramatic. But yes, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, 1966. Is that ringing any bells to anyone? Uh, Sounds
1: familiar.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing. I do not... Personally believe that I'm going to add very much to the Mothman discourse because if I can tell you anything, and it's that I have spent all week, my god, there is so much Mothman shit out there to filter through, and that is because so many people, just like myself, love to just get on YouTube and just wildly conjecture about Mothman. So that's yeah, a, yeah. that's a
1: The world of cryptids is so fucking wild, but also really fun.
0: It's really fun. There's a lot of great, wacky characters. Um, But yeah, I don't think I'm really going to be adding a lot today to the lore of Mothman, uh, except kind of what I was saying earlier is that the TikTok lady says that they're banshees. Now, I conjecture that the Mothman could be a ghoul. We have to do, we do have to, like, do the back, we have to do the backstory. So the story goes that in November of 1966, these four youths were driving around near what they call the TNT area, which was, like, a munitions testing site for, like, World War II, and it had been closed down, and they see what they described as and this is like on the side of the road okay a seven foot tall shadowy figure with wings and bright 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 red glowing eyes that then flies away and they're all terrified but all four of them saw it and the the guy one of the guys That had seen it was like, well, if I had been alone, I just wouldn't have said anything. But, like, three other people were there with me in this car. And we all saw, we all saw, like, a seven-foot guy with wings, like, take off from the side of the road and fly away.
1: Multiple witnesses.
0: Multiple witnesses. And then, because the story had come out in the paper, more stories started coming forward, where people had seen this sort of giant bird-type thing and you know always with the glowing eyes and then you know sometimes just like a really dark color one person said brown and then they use that to be like oh it's just a big barn owl um but yeah so all these people saw it around 1966 the end of 1966 and then in the next year and keep in mind this is the end of 1966 as well the next year 1967 the silver bridge collapses so the silver bridge is the bridge that crosses the ohio river into the state of ohio Uh, and now this bridge was built when model t's had just come out so it's built in the 20s and in the 70s or in the late 60s, cars weighed like 4,000 pounds as opposed to 1,500 pounds each. A fact which to me is, is, is quite, it's twice as heavy, the car, but also smaller. Uh, that's crazy to me. But basically, cars were more than twice as heavy. And it's like rush hour traffic, I guess bridge is covered in cars, and it just collapses into the river. So, 47 people died that day. And now what they say is that the Mothman, as he became known, although never was described uh, as having moth wings, or uh, any really moth-like attributes, except maybe the glowing eyes. Um, And, yeah, So why Mothman? Some guy at a newspaper came up with that. But then people really ran with it. And then later sightings of Mothman. And this is one of those things where it's like, it's in the cultural imagination. This moth guy. So then people start seeing that. And then your brain, especially in the periphery of your vision, will do a lot to like superimpose an image from your imagination or like your subconscious even onto something that you are seeing moving out of the corner of your eye. Um, All of which to say, listen, you can see a lot of crazy shit out of the corner of your eye, but I I think the fact that Mothman is like eight feet tall, like seven or eight feet tall, that's a pretty intimidating figure. And, I, you know, not to play devil's advocate here, but Sandhill Crane being over four feet tall when it stands in very large specimens is not the same as, like, a seven-foot-tall
1: man. It's half the size.
0: That's, like, literally half the size that they say Mothman
1: is. It's like, what are we, like, we got two cranes standing on top of each other in a fucking trench coat?
0: (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, it's two (laughs) sandhill cranes in a trench coat. (laughs) Not to mention barn owls, which are smaller than sandhill cranes. So it's like, why even include that? Also, that's not really like the migratory route for sandhill cranes. But people have said it's close enough that it was just like a stray migrating sandhill crane. I think that's fucking nuts.
1: I'm like, I'm sorry, a solo pair of cranes because honestly, standing on top of each other. Uh, is, like, somehow two of them being randomly separated makes more sense than one of them to me. It's like, I'm sorry, just, like, one crane wandered hundreds of miles away?
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. And then the barn owl thing is fucking stupid. But then I will also, I would also just like to point out that western West Virginia is a place where people hunt and fish and uh, do outdoorsy things.
1: They're going to know what a fucking bird looks like.
0: Like, let's cut people from Western West Virginia the slack that they know what a fucking crane looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How fucking rude that you just assume that these people who live in one of the most outdoorsy places in the country don't know that the difference between a bird and an eight foot tall thing with wings that looks like a dude.
0: Exactly. So then we have to talk about, to the book, which does flavor the whole thing.
1: Yeah, the book that the movie The Mothman Prophecies was based on. Exactly. Sexy, like, peak Richard Gere, anyway.
0: And so the guy that wrote it was a journalist, but there's a lot of conjecture that there was some sort of large-scale psychic event in Pleasant Point. West Virginia oh my god um I keep wanting to say Pleasant Valley but that's us that's the street we used to live on which is neither here nor there (laughs) yeah but okay so the book yes the book makes it about the collapse of the the Silver Bridge which is happened almost a year later and I, I mean I don't know if that's really like like I my head would not necessarily go there no but he he connected it all to the silver bridge and it being like a foreboding of bad events and then also people have kind of gone through and said that they have saw the mothman uh, in like 9-11 footage which okay I, if if that's what the mothman is Let's go with that, because the Mothman also had a spike in sightings in Chicago, which does have, like, a huge gun violence problem. Um, Yeah. And so... I don't know. I could see... Here's my thing. Here's my thing with why the Mothman, to me, seems more like a ghoul than a Panshee. I think because of the whole, like, they would wait on the side of the road and, like, make an accident happen, like, maybe that's part of the Mothman's ethos, that he shows up to these places before something bad happens, and, like, maybe he's helping the bad thing happen, so he can just, like, nom, 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 nom.
1: Nom, nom, nom.
0: Eat some bodies. (laughs)
1: yeah maybe maybe it wouldn't be the weirdest thing a cryptid's ever done
0: no and i mean ghouls like to eat people banshees don't and a banshee is really more like the messages someone in your family is going to die
1: Yeah, not The Bridge is About to Collapse. Not
0: The Bridge is About to Collapse.
1: But, like, seriously, that movie fucked me up as a kid. It came out, I think, when we were in, like, fourth grade.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah,
1: And I watched it, like, pretty close to when it came out, because that was when I got really into thrillers. Sure. And that movie, because you remember, to get to my, like, house that I grew up in, you had to go across that bridge over Fall Creek. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, a little bridge, but, y'all, there's something, like, that has always deeply spooked me about like a tiny bridge over a creek and like the bridge would flood in really bad weather too so it was like not unfounded to be a little creeped out by that bridge I was always like this is the bridge where I'm gonna die pretty sure Yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah um but no I will say like the Mothman is is a very very spooky legend and I actually work with someone who is from a town close to Point Pleasant, West Virginia, and so I think maybe a spoiler for the Patreon is that the Patreon episode was going to be uh, is is going to be an interview with him about the Mothman because he knows people who have seen it.
1: I'm so stoked. I'm like, I, I want to do this. I'm like, we need to find someone who knows about the Jersey Devil, because I am also fascinated by the
0: Jersey Devil. Ooh, I think also that a lot of those from, like, the Northeast are the same thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like, are they a Wendigo type thing? Yeah. Are, are they a Skinwalker? Like.
0: Ghouls can shapeshift.
1: shift. Yeah. Are ghouls, are, are, are the thing that Native Americans describe as skinwalkers a type of ghoul?
0: These these are the questions. These are absolutely the important questions that we need to be asking.
1: I'm just glad that we're getting to talk about cryptids. Because, guys, I fucking love it. I just, um, it,
0: it. It's just, it's giving me, like, when we were at your place in L.A., and we were watching that show about... Oh, paranormal Um, caught
1: on camera.
0: Paranormal caught on camera. Because that has been a lot of my week doing research about ghouls and Mothman and like how it's, you know, sort of beautifully blended together in my head. But the last thing I want to say and feel free to sponsor this episode, Point Pleasant, West Virginia Tourism Board, but the Mothman Festival is actually the third weekend of september every year so next weekend at the time of this recording is the mothman festival
1: oh my god nick we have to go next year
0: we absolutely should because you know it costs nothing but hopes and dreams to go on vacation to west virginia
1: yeah we can go see i'm like okay country road country take me home dude
0: we could we could do like a spooky southern we could do like a spooky tour of the South
1: I am so excited we That's gotta not- go talk we gotta go to New Orleans to talk about zombies yeah uh oh my god okay this is fun well it's almost the bitter end so I, I think
0: we could squeeze some asks in here real quick yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do a speed run so you guys www patreon.com slash once and franz pod we made it easy for you because once and franz pod is also our at gmail.com and our at instagram okay so it's like really fucking easy also like subscribe review five stars this podcast is good it's like we wrote the review for you
1: we did also, I,
0: I like the alternate one, Nick and Shannon make a good podcast.
1: A little flavor.
0: Yeah, put our, put our names in it. I want to see my name in lights. So I want to be a star.
1: <laughs> you are a star, baby. Well, today, after those beautiful asks, I have a message for Taurus. And I love the little Taurus kitty cat in our Zodiac cards. How just cute. Do, just
0: doing a big stretch.
1: Big stretch. Um... And of course, I love that uh, they have rose quartz as one of the associated uh, stones, as well as poppy and rose, which we have extensively talked about today because agrimony. And for you, I have drawn the 10 of crystals in reverse, which uh, correlates to the 10 of pentacles in my macabre tarot deck. And this is just such a Taurus message, guys, because the 10 of pentacles reversed is all about like the dark side of wealth accumulation. And we all know no one has aesthetic like Taurus. But this question it's raising for you is like, is that really what you want to do? Is that really bringing you joy? Is chasing that next raise, chasing that next like beautiful like luxury pair of like designer shoes. Is that bringing you joy? Or are you perhaps allowing that to like, get in the way of more meaningful life experiences? So Taurus, you can love beautiful things, but also not like make that your identity. And to me, I feel like that's the message we're bringing you today, especially as we're heading into the holidays. Don't put yourself in a giant like Whole of debt to buy yourself pretty things to flex on the monsters from your hometown they're not worth it
0: true that boo true <laughs> that okay no but what I will say is I had sent you this video of this girl that has so much stolen stuff stolen like bowls and stuff from restaurants Yep. And I feel like that's also part of the warning for Torres. So uh, it's it's because it's like really, okay, sure, you want some ramekins for your house, okay? I we all do, we all do, and I think four or five just to have to to dip little sauces and stuff into. No judgment. Yeah, absolutely no judgment. When I tell you this, lady covered a table in stacks of like bowls and cups and plates and
1: it was it was a problem she had developed a problem but then nick and i got into a discussion of like which sign it was and i think taurus yes but my response was also scorpio because our lady winona has taught us that scorpios indeed have very sticky fingers um
0: oh yeah
1: (laughs) but yeah taurus taurus don't spend your entire life accumulating ramekins go out and make memories (laughs)
0: <laughs> um. okay well to all of you spooky moth bitches out there
1: oh, to all of you spooky seven to eight foot tall moth like bitches out there
0: you ghoulish hag bitches
1: oh my god you ghoulish hag bitches blessed
0: be bitches blessed be bitches
1: <laughs> goodbye
0: Yeah, I think it'd be cool if y'all didn't die.
1: You know, agreed, but also more and more, I'm like, maybe the universe just doesn't.
0: Maybe, I mean...